Good evening and welcome to another episode of Game Till 5. My name is Steph and I'm joined by Nikki as always. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm recovering from death. Yeah, you had the flu last week, right? I did, yes. It's not um, a good time. I still have open my lungs, so that's the bonus. And I am recovering, but um, I do apologise if at any point I need to go run off to cough up one of my lungs. Hopefully I won't. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if you didn't. If you finish the podcast with both your lungs, I think we can call it success. Yeah, yeah. cool. I am. Um, I've not had a successful evening, uh, as it is pancake day here in the UK, and I attempted to make pancakes just before I started this podcast, and I thought, well, I'll buy pancake mix this time, because I've got to go do this podcast with Nikki, uh, like, quite soon after I get home from work, so I'll buy a crappy mix, and it'll be fine. I can do it in, like, five minutes. Little do I know that I pick up the, like, worst pancake mix of all time. And it just... Uh, it's better to just make it yourself. Right. So, this is what I'm knowing. Yeah, I always normally make it myself. And this time I was like, I'll try one of the mixes. Never again. I didn't even get as far as that, though, to be fair. So, kudos for trying. The closest I came today was um, the person sitting next to me at work gave me a bit of a dry pancake. That was about it. I don't know if that's... (laughs) I don't really know (laughs) if that's... Successful pancake day. Good... I think that's almost an insult, just to give someone no a sauce, dry pancake. Nothing. Dry, cold bit of pancake. I was like, this is the worst pancake day ever. Okay, you've topped mine then. Yeah. At least mine was Did... warm and uncooked. Oh, so they actually, you ate, you ate them? Well, I tried. I attempted to eat one. I had one piece of one and threw all of the rest out. So... Just close your eyes and pretend it tastes nice. Yeah, I think next time I will. <laughs> Anyway, what on earth are we doing here? Um, as normal, we're talking about, you know, video game shit. Before we move on to our top five this week, me and Nikki are thinking about doing some streaming, moving on to the other realm of video game stuff. So if anyone would be interested in watching us probably fail at video games, so we'll obviously keep Twitter and whatnot updated if we do eventually do that and get our shit together. Yeah, we really need to decide on a game for that, but when we've maybe thought of things, or if you have a suggestion for a game for us to play, yeah, let us know on our normal Twitters, like at GameTill5, and we yeah. will let you guys know when we decide to be proactive about things. Anyway, in our episode this week, what's our top five step? Our top five, Nikki, uh, is all about top villains. So our top five villains in video games, or antagonists, to use your fancy word. I feel like this one's very close to my heart. I resonate with a lot of villains. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm a good egg, but <laughs> it is a cool one and I'm excited for it. Yeah, it was a really interesting one to try and think of this week, actually. felt like I was slipping into my favourite games a little bit. And then when I actually went back and thought about them a little bit more, I came up with some different ones. I think we can have crossovers, Mm. so maybe we should explain the Beetle Drop. Yes, so me and Nikki, obviously, we don't talk about our top fives beforehand, so sometimes we get crossovers. And if we do, you will hear this fabulous noise. Oh! And that is Beetle. And Beetle tells us we've had a crossover and that we're just going to probably share about it and curse the other one into eternity. Yeah, I guess we're ready. I guess we are ready. In that case, we'll play some good Gilbert Gottfried. What are you buying? How about a game of Lucky Hit? A three-headed monkey! Let's go! It's still impossible not to dance. 
I spilt wine on myself. <laughs> it's not a good wine. Well, it is good wine, but it was red wine. So, yep. Yep. Pancake day is going great. You're doing well. You've had cold pancake with nothing on it, and you've covered yourself in wine. But I've got my lungs. Oh yeah, that's the bonus we're taking away today. I'm glad yeah. you're having a um, good time. I think it's my time. Ugh. Oh my god, I can't even speak. My time. My time to or shine? my turn. I'm not sure. <laughs> Clearly, it's your time to shine. You're doing very well at your segue. <laughs> I think it's my time to go first this I time. I think it is. As I went first last week when we had Crazy Hullabaloo. Yes. So, okay. So, my number five, my number five villain mm-hmm. is Wheatley from Portal 2. Oh, nice. Interesting one there. So, if anyone that doesn't know or hasn't played Portal 2 or Portal in general, um, Wheatley is a little cute spherical robot call thing um, and he's voiced by Stephen Merchant and I realised actually in this entire episode there's going to be so many damn spoilers because I feel like you can't really speak about a character or a villain in a game without inevitably spoiling the game because I just feel like it gives away the plot points so yeah. instead of just being like spoiler alert every five seconds I'm just going to tell you if you haven't played Portal Portal, I'm just going to spoil the whole game now. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we need to just start off this podcast by saying there will be spoilers on these games that we mentioned. So if we mention yeah. a game and you haven't finished it, then just skip that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, Wheatley basically was awesome. And I fell in love with Wheatley as soon as he was introduced in the game. Um, to give some background to what he is, he's basically like a personality core, similar to GLaDOS if you have played Portal, um, in which it's a robot, basically. Um, and basically, in the start of the game, you wake up, and Wheatley's sort of right there with you, and he's kind of narrating everything that's going on around you, which I really enjoy, just because he's just really humorous. And admittedly, he doesn't start off as a villain, so, like, 70% of the game, he is actually helping you, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, which I enjoyed as well, because I think it's always good to have, like, these layers. It's not just like, oh, suddenly, there's a villain, and he wants to smash your face in. Like he starts off trying to, you know, help you get help you escape out of this area, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Um, but he does basically turn on you um, when he gets power. So similar to you, always good. I feel similar he enjoys power. Yeah, I do. That is that is yeah. very me. Yeah. So initially he helps you and gets you to the place you need to be, and then as soon as he's able to get that power, because basically, um, long story short, he puts the other big robot he was your enemy in Portal One into a potato. And then once he regains, once he gains all that power, yeah, he basically turns on you um, and throws you down a hole with said potato. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it doesn't sound too really bad, weird. really. I mean, being thrown in a hole with a potato—at least he gave you a potato. Yeah, but I loved, I loved in the game the moment that he does turn on you. It's hilarious because all of a sudden he's just like, "Yeah, cool, like things have gone well," and then suddenly it's just like, "Hang on, you're a dick." Um, even though you're not really a dick, <laughs> one thing that I like is he basically like spitefully says that all you ever did was boss him around. Literally, as many other Valve games, you don't speak. <laughs> you literally yeah. insane things to him the whole time. He was bossing you around, and he's yeah. just like, "Hey, you're a bitch," which I just thought was funny. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he becomes obviously kind of villainous, and then he starts to kind of fuck you up, basically, um, or at least attempt to fuck you up. And yeah, I just I just thought he was amazing in the way that he you know was helping you then become becomes the villain and Stephen Merchant acts it so well. Yeah. Um, how did you play Portal Two? I did. Yeah. I know. I like you yeah. said. I really enjoyed that aspect of it for just 
that whole he seems especially Stephen Merchant's voice as well because it's such a kind of almost light friendly voice doesn't seem like it's <laughs> yeah. going to be a villain ever when you think of Stephen Merchant as well if you know him yeah what he looks like you're just like oh it, this is but soothing he, he plays it well with his West Country accent yeah you don't see him as at any point in the game being able to turn on you like that so when it does happen you're just like holy shit <laughs> this is not what I wanted yeah no it's, it's awesome um and I like as well, I was looking up a bit of the sort of like the how they when they made the game, um, they wanted to create a character who spoke quite informally and that almost like that character was kind of narrating what's happening around you, even though they didn't really know what was happening. So almost like first you know, first time kind of I don't know, it's weird, like to be in that situation and feel like there's another character who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. I thought it was quite cool and I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I really I just he's just awesome. Um, I do have some facts. Yeah. So, um, this one was quite funny, basically. Uh, so, after Wheatley takes over Galados' body, um, he rattles off some lines in Spanish, which I do remember. Apparently, it's actually um, translated to, um, you're using this translator software incorrectly, please consult the manual. Which I just thought was funny. <laughs> That's a good one. Because um, I never knew that. I was just going to say, do you find with your facts for villains, it was quite hard to find one specifically about like a villain and not just the game in general? Yeah. But surprisingly, I have a lot of facts somehow. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would expect you to because it's you and I don't I understand how you find your facts, but you do. Yeah. You dig them out like a hound with a sniff. Another fact about Merchant um, is that he actually improv a lot of his lines. Oh, cool. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, and that was probably one of the reasons why they wanted to go from anywhere, I think, maybe because he kind of has that. I don't know. He's likely to do that. Yeah. Because he's a funny guy. Um yeah. J.K. Simmons also improvised a lot of his lines. He was also important. Um, but yeah, so there's another cool thing as well. So they actually decided straight off the bat that they wanted Stephen Merchant for Wheatley, like before they'd even really asked him. Yeah. So they actually sent him a package with material and a request for him to be the voice of Wheatley. Oh. And I think Stephen Merchant at first was a bit like, oh God, what am I, am I you know, shall I do this? Um, but he went ahead with it, even though he said he wasn't really a huge video game nerd anymore, but he used to be. Um, but they apparently said if they weren't going to go, if Stephen Merchant denied it, they were actually going to go with Richard Iowadi from the IT crowd. Amazing. The UK. Um, he was also in Garth Marindis Dark Place as well, I think, in 2021. And, which I thought, okay, yeah, Stephen Merchant Wheatley, perfect. However, Richard Iowadi is also a love of mine and kind of similar. Yeah. Definitely got that Comedy. same kind of vibe-esque. Oh, man, can you imagine if he'd done it in a Moss voice as well from the IT crowd? I know. Part of me wishes that I could just travel to a parallel universe where Richard Ayoade was Wheatley, just to see what it was like, you know, just to experience yeah. that. Just just to have a good time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and so an example as well, I forgot to say, about the improv... improv oh, my God, I can't even speak. About the improvisation. There we go big word you got there um <laughs> is yeah so a lot of it was improv and i don't know if anyone knows this but nolan north did the space pool and that doesn't know the space pool it's kind of like a fucked up robot core similar looks really similar to wheatley but it's kind of broken um and in the end part of the game he goes to space because he's pretty obsessed with space and he pretty much just shouts gotta go to space constantly <laughs> i don't know if you remember that <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. It's been a long time since I've played Portal 2, to be fair. Yeah, and um, anyway, there's a line in the game where the space crew is saying how he wants to go to space, 
I think it's before he goes to space, because he eventually does go. Spoiler alert. Oh, <laughs> ruined. The whole um, game. Anyway, when they were recording, and Nolan North was recording these voice lines, um, and he was shouting, I've got to go to space park, apparently Stephen Merchant, naturally just being like around, was just like, nobody's going to space, mate. And apparently they, they use that line in the game, because they found it so hilarious, <laughs> just after the way that he would sort of respond to Nolan North's space voice lines. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really great. I just I just love Super Mario. And the fact that he played that role pretty much all by himself, because apart from obviously GLaDOS was there doing voice lines as well, Yeah. Um, he really carried that. Although apparently he didn't think that he did a good job, and apparently he said that the whole, the voice acting really killed him. He said he found it really tough to be able to record all of those lines, um, you know, by himself, because you are pretty much, I guess, in a room by yourself, trying to react to things natural though it's not really natural he said it really wore him out but then by the time it all came out he said he got such a positive response from fans and everybody he said it was really warming uh like heartwarming for him to to have that feedback um and i just thought it was quite sweet so he's actually said that he'd totally be down for like more of it if it was to ever pop up in the future so oh cool yeah fingers crossed. that's good to know but yeah i guess it must be so difficult like voice acting just not especially because Viva Merchant isn't I wouldn't ever class him as an actor I'd class him more as like a writer or a stand-up kind of yeah of guy so it's like yeah I, especially hard not playing off anyone yeah I think as well acting has actually come I think a little bit later than the actual than Portal 2 did I think he's, he's you know more so in acting now than he was so I think maybe that was obviously quite a new thing but they I think they really went for him because of because of off it, the office and his podcast and stuff so yeah, yeah I just I just thought he just nailed it. And obviously, not just on Rosie Merchant here, Wheatley is a great character. And he, I think, I, you know, I don't know if I speak for everyone here, but for me, Wheatley is Stephen Merchant and Stephen Merchant is Wheatley kind of thing. Yeah. So he really made Portal 2 for me, I think. Yeah, they definitely, like, blend together. Yeah. Well, that's it for my facts. Well, that's I did. number five. I liked your number five. Um, my number five is probably a little bit different to your one because your one felt a little bit light and happy for a villain and mine's a little bit darker um so my one is the crones from the witcher 3 which i'm gonna say straight off the bat i know when everyone talks about villains in the witcher 3 it's not the one that is the best one apparently the best one is in the hearts of stone dlc is gauntero dim i have not played that dlc yet um i really want to i've just not got around to it so for me it's the crones and i picked the crones because they're fucking terrifying um and they're really creepy and they just creep me out and they're kind of more bosses but they are kind of in it and you do have they do have a big part of the story um with like a certain uh guest quests and stuff that you've got to go do um and they basically are like three witches that live in uh live in a bog wood kind of area um and they you do a quest where i think the baron that you're trying to do stuff his wife goes missing and he asks you to kind of go and look for her and eventually you find your way to the wood um and it's kind of you go down this really strange path that's kind of covered in like candy trail almost um and eventually you find like a woman who's just known as gran with a bunch of children um and i won't ruin the whole quest because the quest is good but you end up like going around and talking to all the kids and stuff and eventually you get led to the the crones um and they seem kind of nice at first they don't tend to bother you you kind of just do a quest for them um 
even though you know they're evil you kind of leave them alone you don't really fight them until you go back later and i think even then you fight them as siri not Geralt. um but they basically were stealing children and then eating them so you know they're pretty dark and pretty evil i mean they're absolutely terrifying yeah if you just google the picture but I googled it, and why does one look like she has a butt plug for a face? Right, one of them's got a butt plug. One of them's got um like a bees thing in her eye, which is if you have that, what's the phobia? There's a phobia of like where you can't look at holes in a pattern. I think it's trypophobia. Oh, something like, like that. trigger, trigo something. Yeah, one that thing. Right. Yeah, you just can't look at her. Oh yeah. Terrifies me. Well, actually, I was gonna say she looks more like a garden gnome. She does look a bit like a garden gnome. It's the hat, I think. They're truly terrifying yeah. in a way. Yeah, and I think that's more what it was. Um, and uh, I think I like them. Like, it's one of those things where I like them and I don't. I love the design, even though it terrifies me. I think that's kind of the well, point. That's the point, right? Yeah. yeah, like they're just so well like made. And um, the facts I kind of have for this is uh, what makes me kind of like them, and that they were inspired by quite a lot of different um, mythologies and things like that. One of them. Uh, is the Baba Yaga in Slavic mythology. And it's basically, the Baba Yaga is like a cannibalistic hag who likes eating children. Um, Yeah, it's a dark, I think essentially it's kind of like Hansel and Gretel. I think most of them are like almost Hansel and Gretel, but like a much darker version, like typical fairy tale stuff, right? Um, And uh, the they also, I think it also appears as a trio of sisters all named Baba Yaga, which is why they've come up with the three um as well as the only other fact i found about them and it's really obvious that they are so it's not quite a fact but um that they're based on um the Macbeth weird sisters um shakespeare's play i was thinking that yeah yeah um and i think even in their bestiality entry i found out um they <laughs> no not what? bestiality i said the their bestiality entry into the book of, of bestiality it's Beast Diary. What? It's a Beast Diary. Oh, I don't know why I said I clearly got bestiality on the brain. I was going to say, is... I mean, that, that makes them pretty villainous. <laughs> a totally Freudian slip That's there. That's there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their Beast Diary entry. If that's how you say it. It's like Beast and then Diary with the D missing squished together into a world. Um, beast Diary. Yeah. I don't know you got bestiality. It's obviously in your mind. It is, clearly. I was thinking about those sexy, sexy witches. Um, Anyway, some shit in the book and the stuff that Witcher that you read uh, mentions that they're uh, presumed in play Macbeth, which is basically Macbeth with a V. So more words that I can't say. Um, Yeah, it just kind of clicks the fact that they were taken from that. Um, But yeah, it's quite a short entry from this because... There's not that much about them other than they look terrifying and, uh, you know, their story and how you interact with them is quite cool. Um, The fact that you kind of see them and know they're bad and you as kind of like, a, you know, a witcher, you're supposed to hunt these kind of things. You kind of leave them a little bit for a while, um, but then eventually kind of go back to them. Uh, and they turn people into hags and all kinds of shit. They generally just creep me out and I like them. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. They're, they're absolutely terrifying, so I think that's enough to make them a villain. Um, and one has a butt plug for a face, so. <laughs> and a garden gnome. Yes. And they I'm have a sure bestiality the tree. The other one's yes. got, um, I think she's got, like, legs sticking out of her. 
Why, that's that's the gnome. She's got legs like power. Oh, I can't. The other one's just like weird. Just creepy one of them. Like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because oh wait, got... no, there is an arm there. There's an arm coming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because there's the really massive one that you're talking about. The butt plug. Yeah, yeah the butt plug face. Then there's Gnome Lady, and then there's another one with more. I don't know. She's just got like a thing over her head. One of them escapes as well. She doesn't. She doesn't have as much. Basic. I can't remember which one escapes. Um, But basically, you go back to kill them, and there's like two of them you kill. One of them escapes, and I think it's the little gnome one that escapes. Yeah. Well, you don't kill her. She disappears at the end. Um, oh, I think oh, yeah. she like you find her again later in something. Probably, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm gonna just move I'm on from mine, terrified. and you can go and do your number four now. When I'm stopped talking about bestiality, but I'm totally like plug faces. thrown off now. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Well, I'm interested because that's not one that I expected. Yeah. Um, I do feel like my entries into the top five are very expected predictable and i didn't want to go that way i feel like i picked ones that probably a lot of probably not on a lot of other people's lists but i just you know this is what i felt for me i think as well i picked villains that i like and i don't normally like villains i, I don't they normally just piss me off so i wouldn't put them in the list but these are ones that they've got something about them that i like um, yeah so yeah i found yeah. i don't know more the ones i think I just forget about villains sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I can think yeah. of, like, who the main person is and I can think of the story. But the villain is just a bit like, eh, it's just someone kind of driving it a little bit. Sometimes they don't really do much for me. Yeah. I think, also, I like a likeable villain, as weird as that sounds. Um, I mean, they always feel more successful, though. The ones that you can relate to, I always think, are some of the best villains, right? Because... Yeah you understand where they're coming from and it makes it quite difficult to hate them. But that's kind of a good thing. I can definitely, you know, relate to a bloodthirsty cell robot. Yeah, and I can relate anyway. to bestiality and butt pug faces. Hags. Hags. Yeah. Sorry. Hags that live in a bug. Right, so, so my number four is my main man, Sephiroth. Too obvious so, for my liking. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I told you. It's obvious. But I, I have other people on my mentions who aren't obvious, but I just couldn't do it. I just for me, Sephiroth was my first favourite villain, yeah. I think, in a video game that I played, especially when I was younger. And I found him both terrifying and cool. So what more do you want in a villain? Um he also has the coolest theme tune of any villain I know. Oh god. Um, yeah. I was actually gonna start that top four off with actually shouting the line from the song i love um, you just but... getting around it but you know i'm gonna ask you to do it now <laughs> i'm not gonna do it. just one line um, just one i've got a bad cop bad cop you could do it no it was my tip but it i will my say top five i will say a uh, little anecdote to do with sephiroth is once upon a time we were playing a game with, with a kazoo me and steph together and we had to guess songs and i actually did on the kazoo one winged angel and steph guessed it so in like a second as well right yes we should have a cap i wish that it was recorded somewhere because it was a absolute blaster of a tune she brought the house down (laughs) 
rave <laughs> style. No talent, but man, I can play all my days all I can see. Oh, <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> You're so good. Anyway, we're we're getting off the subject. So, for anyone that doesn't know, because I've just been starting on about Sephiroth, he is the main antagonist in Final Fantasy VII, and he looks cool. He has a big long black coat and big white long hair and everything. Um, as most villains wish they looked like. So, to give some sort of background to Sephiroth and spoilers, he um, basically was a part of Soldier, which is a military division. And, massive spoiler, he found out that he was the product of a biological experiment that combined a human exper- uh, combined a human fetus with an extraterrestrial life form called Genova. Um, he found out that Genova basically attempted to take control of the planet 2,000 years ago, and several decides that, like Mummy, he wants to go do the same thing and become a god and basically destroy the world. He has mother issues, basically. He really does. Like, the worst mother issues. And, yeah, the reason I picked up as I said, is because he was probably my favourite villain when I was younger. Um, I just find him quite scary, but also just, I don't know, yeah. just something kind of interesting about him. Um, he was a bit of a stroppy shit, I won't lie. Yeah. He me sometimes. He can be a little bit brattish, I think. But that's kind of like yeah. the whole point of him, right? He is not yeah. cool, calm and collected all the time. No. And that you can kind of understand his tribulations because, you know, he found out that he's basically a weird alien baby. Um, yeah, I don't have he's issues. not happy about it. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of get why he's going through struggles. However, no need to try and take over the world and become a god because of it, Sephiroth. But anyway, we still like you. Just go to therapy, um, man. Just go to therapy. <laughs> exactly. Would have been a different game if you just gone to therapy. Man. Wouldn't have burned down the whole village. You know. <laughs> that is definitely the epitome of some uh, villains, I think. Just if they'd gone to therapy, maybe the world would have yeah. survived. Just talk to someone about it, you know? Just yeah. don't need to burn down the village. Kill all those people. <laughs> It'll be okay. Someone will listen to you. It's okay. Anyway. Um, I just liked him. I thought he was—he had quite an intimidating presence, especially whenever he turned up in the interview. He didn't always say that much. Um, and he's obviously a scene chief as well. Anyway, that's the kind of reasons why I picked Sephiroth. So we'll get into some background as well and some facts. Because I found these quite interesting because I didn't actually know too much about his general sort of character design. His, his name comes from Kabbalah. Um, so that comes from the ten Sephiroth of the Tree of Life. Ooh. And these represent ten attributes through which God reveals himself. So obviously it's that whole God issue again. Um, but that's where his name basically comes from. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's basically right. from Judaic religion. I didn't know that, but, you know, now you do. Um, so that's cool. That's where, that's where his the name The more you from. know. Also, a little bit back story to the general character. Anyone that doesn't know, Ares, or Ares, um, she's also one of the characters in the game. I'm not going to give away the big spoiler there. Um, basically, originally, he was going to be her... her brother his huh. sister sister his brother, brother. her br- her brother nephew <laughs> so basically sarah sephiroth and aries are going to be brother and sister there you go um that's why they have similar hairstyles oh yeah that's a good point they have, they have the same like weird little fringe oh yeah on. i just thought it was the style at the time no apparently not although when i was younger i did want my hair to be like that but i think that was not possible no i mean that takes a lot that's of gel yeah, although some people do it in wigs, I've noticed, but naturally it's just not, not achievable. Sorry. Sorry if you were trying there for years. <laughs> We've um, Nicky's dashed your dreams. <laughs> so anyway, they later scrapped that, and then were like, oh, actually, let's make them lovers. Uh, 
they then scrapped that too. And then obviously, so for anyone that doesn't know, there's another character called Zach who Aries does have a bit of a thing with. So that was kind of what replaced that love interest there. That would have been kind of cool though, I think, to have a little love thing between Aries and Sephiroth. Yeah, a little bit more of a connection there would have been kind of cool. Yeah, Um, yeah, but that was obviously also scrapped. Sephiroth was also at one point going to be female. Ooh, uh, but that was like no power. drafts. Yeah, which I thought also would have been cool. It does kind of like a bit of a female, and I think there were some things with like the body. They actually made like the models and stuff, and I think that's how everyone found out there was some sort of thing about finding the body in the crater, and it was actually a female body instead. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, with the hair and stuff and the style and look that he has, I always just kind of feel he's a little bit like gender fluid. Yeah, I? I I can see that as well. Actually, yeah, I mean, yeah. Sephiroth, you go whatever way you want. No one's You would judging. look good either way. Yeah. yeah. That long hair is very lovely, I'm mm, sure. Luscious. Can it's you like imagine the shampooing that's going to take, though? A lot Ooh. of my way was so angry. Yeah. Blow drying, your arms would fall off. And then you've got to get that fringe up. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which... Um, <laughs> one heck of a cowlick. Square Enix actually released four different Final Fantasy perfumes over the years sorry that's completely like <laughs> segued that um they did that uh and there was a Sephiroth scent oh I wonder it comes what it in a stylish like. black bottle that has a little charm attached to it in the shape of a black wig quality facts everyone I, there are so many questions about that perfume does anyone still own any what does it smell like I think actually I remember looking at that one and apparently it was fruity from my from what I can remember because there's also a Noctis one so it's obviously fairly recent um a lightning one and a cloud one so I didn't actually google it but I wish I did oh I'm gonna do that I'm gonna see if I can get myself a bottle now you can smell like Sephiroth (laughs) so yeah anyway sorry that was my last fact (laughs) sentence you Um, never thought you'd say (laughs) I like that so I picked Sephiroth as a villain and I ended up just talking about his perfume that was released it's brilliant it's the kind of facts that i appreciate <laughs> on this i don't want to know about some character design issues and good writing <laughs> fuck it what does he smell like yeah. how does he get his Can hair I smell like that <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so that was my number four separate is a badass who smells good and has luscious locks beautiful i'm very excited um i'm also have so much final fantasy 7 on the brain because i really want to buy it on the switch when it comes out uh, so I'm liking the fact that Final Fantasy VII was mentioned. Yes. Good going. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to swiftly move on then if you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And um, talk about another villain because this is a list about villains. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my Shocking. number four, right? I'm, and I cannot pronounce this name very well. It's like Getis from Pokemon Black and White. He's the main guy in Pokemon Black and White. So if you know that, you can pronounce it yourself. For those of you who don't know, Pokemon is a long-running series and this is one of the uh, baddies from it that happen in just Black and White. Um, He is... um, So I will kind of preface this with saying that there's kind of a second villain in Black and White 2. And the first one is kind of N. So N is uh, Gettys' adoptive son. And you meet N, and he is in charge of um, Team Plasma, which in Pokemon, every time it's like Team Rocket, they just re-kind of brand a different version of Team Rocket. There's always a team. You've always got to beat them. 
and this one happens to be called Team Plasma. But the one I found really interesting about this one was it was like the only Pokemon game that the like the team uh like evil baddies was kind of relatable in a weird way you kind of felt for them so you know like what we were talking about with villains of like you kind of understand them um this is kind of what that felt like so n um is the like main guy you see at the start and he uh basically when he was young he was orphaned and left in the woods so already not a great start um and he was raised by pokemon and one day getis his adoptive dad came over and basically said i'm your dad um and raised him to be the king of team plasma but as a child he was only raised with pokemon that were had been injured so n only ever met pokemon that had been abused by humans essentially so n decides that he hates humans and that we all abuse pokemon um and that he doesn't think anyone should own pokemon because it's not right because they should be free and whatever so it's kind of like a Fair thing enough. yeah you kind of end up agreeing with him you're like man i really shouldn't be playing this i'm agreeing with the main guy i'm just gonna let all my pokemon go um and you kind of eventually kind of come with a bit more of an understanding of you should be separated he wants to separate the world of humans and pokemon he wants pokemon to live in a separate world to humans um and that's kind of his end goal um and you go through and you do the normal Pokemon stuff and eventually right at the end, so total spoilers, I'm ruining this game for everybody, um, you beat him and you get your legendary as you do. But then his dad, Getters, appears and basically tells you that your his son is an idiot. He's a disappointment. Um, he's, oh he calls him like no good. He's warped and defective and all kinds of horrible things. It essentially says he was just trying to use N to get everyone to release their Pokemon so that he would be the only pe- person with Pokemon. He'd be like the only trainer left anywhere. Um, so it's kind of like a weird duo of villains. Um, and you have one that you kind of agree with and you kind of go on and then you find out really that it's being controlled by this other guy who just wants to abuse you know pokemon he doesn't want anyone to have pokemon he wants to be the only one um and he just wants to use legendaries and stuff so it's a long-winded story and i've waffled on so i apologize but i think it's just it's one of my favorites because yeah it's like the only pokemon game that i think really drew me into much of the story other than i think maybe the newer ones um this one yeah you kind of understood where N was coming from a lot of the time, which just made him for a really good villain. That Gettys guy sounds like a jerk. Right? Such an asshole. He even appears in, like, because there's Black and White 2 as well, because you basically go to fight Gettys and he, you can beat him, but he gets, like, taken away or whatever and protected by a bunch of people. And then he turns up in Black and White 2 and instead he tries to, like, freeze the entire region um, and then he also appears in the newer Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And he, like, tries to take over again by getting people to ditch their Pokemon. Like, he's just a dick and he just doesn't go away. So I've had a look at a picture of him and I must say, it kind of reminds me, like, if Sephiroth was to cut his hair off really badly. Right? Someone hacked him with some scissors and now he's pissed. He's got a big black cloak, which is pretty villainous. Yeah. And it's just like the hair, like the white blonde hair, like being tufted up. It is, it is just, he needs to sort that out. Yeah, there's a lot of style issues. And I think he just does it because he needs to villain. You're right. He's got a cape. He's got an eye patch. He's got terrible hair. I think he was just going like, I think he just looked up the word villain 
on Google and decided that, you know, he needed all of the villain tropes. I mean, there's no excuse for that haircut. I mean, and his son N is, you know, not bad looking. He's got some nice green hair. He's got some luscious locks. He looks nice, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, essentially gets dicked over by his weird adoptive father. Which I think would well, mess you well, up. Dad issues in this so yeah. many dad issues. So many people needing to go to therapy. But I just think it was interesting uh, for a Pokemon game to kind of go that way, really. And kind of makes you question a little bit about why you're playing Pokemon, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. So my, I guess my facts for this is that he is, Gattis is the only antagonist that uses a pseudo-legendary Pokemon during the final battle. No one else gets a legendary. Everyone else has to fight with, you know, their normal, like, standard-esque Pokemon. You tend to be the only one who can control a legendary. And in this one, I think you get, to, like, the opposite to whatever you get. So if you've picked, like, black, you get the black Pokemon and he gets the white one, which I can't remember the names of now, which is awful. I think it's, like, Vresham or something like that. And my other fact, uh, and this is my favourite fact, was that on the internet, he is known as Dennis... Because people thought that is what's sung in his theme tune. Um, I have listened to this uh, theme tune and it's right. It sounds like they're just singing Dennis. If you Google uh, like Pokemon Black and White Gettys theme and you skip to about a minute 50 in, uh, yeah, you'll see it and you'll hear Dennis because I did. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's my number four. I don't really have much more to say on that, other than it was a good game, and there was lots of human Pokemon, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, one of you Sephiroth with a bad haircut. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, exactly. So, my number three. We on, we're on number three. We're oh, on number Jesus. three, yeah. Jesus. Um, I'm actually doing a little bit of switcheroo here, and I'm going to sound like an utter broken record, and I'm really sorry. I've kind of done a naughty this week. Um, my number three is actually GLaDOS, who <laughs> I've already mentioned. Oh! Um, fuck! <laughs> my number three is also GLaDOS, so we'll just do a joint three. We'll do this together, because I've already spoken about Portal, um, yeah. so we don't obviously need to go too ham on that. Um, I picked GLaDOS because she, to me, is amazing due to her passive aggressiveness. Um, <laughs> yes, she really is. That's one of the yeah. massive things I've written in here, is just... Yeah. Yeah. Passive aggressive bitch. <laughs> um, and she talks about your weight a lot, which is also very insulting but hilarious. Right. <laughs> so yeah, Glados, which I think stands for genetic life form and disc op- operating system. Nice. Um, she's the central core and guide that oversees the aperture science computer aid enrichment centre. Um, she basically guides you through the whole first game, um, makes you run a load of tests. Uh, absolutely no reason really and then she pretty much I think she tries to kill you right yeah she essentially yeah. leads you through this whole game and you're like oh I've just got this nice helpful voice and then similarly to Wheatley she just decides you're just slowly realising that she's leading you to your death well, you know not before insulting you constantly oh god um, <laughs> I just thought yeah like everything about GLaDOS is just awesome because again initially it doesn't necessarily seem like a villain at first but then it's that whole progression into the you know becoming that and your sort of sudden realisation of actually hang on yeah. I've got myself into a sticky situation here with a murderous robot yeah it's like a nice wet, like increasing menacing kind of 
thing you're just yeah. slowly feeling more uncomfortable and you're not kind of not sure why but yeah she just yeah she's just there yeah. ominously just being sarcastic and assaulting you the whole time <laughs> um obviously i think glados as well kind of makes portal really, yeah because she is portal as, really as, yeah the main character shell is doesn't speak so she's guiding you through everything and it's sort of similar to that game i'm saying i suppose before in one of our episodes with stanley parable yeah it's heavily narration i suppose um and that person is obviously guiding you through the game uh it just happens to be that they obviously want to kill you as well Mm -hmm. which is fine um because it's a very entertaining game as well as that but i just think that she was a very endearing villain yeah again like you said she's a you like her in a weird way even though she's not particularly nice to you ever it's kind of like that witty uh insulting and that kind of thing so you kind of forgive her a little bit for trying to murder you yeah and she has her reasons she's had a fucked up life without giving too many spoilers away yeah her backstory gives you a lot of depth into her which they you know you think about it and you don't need to add right like no one needs that in terms of a robot but it's kind of cool that it's there uh let's do some facts then and we'll see what joint yes. facts we have all right i'll go first mm-hmm. so um one of my facts as well is the actual name of gladys i don't know if you had information on this um so apparently it's a pun on the name gladys and the term um dos so just operating system yeah so that obviously comes from glados mm-hmm. gladys no one really understands i don't i didn't figure out why gladys was like within that because obviously spoilers again but caroline is is said to be the, to the personality um within glados not gladys so i don't know where gladys has come from but it's just like an old lady name isn't it yeah yeah that's true maybe just an evil spirit of an old knitting lady gladys we all know one <laughs> we do i bet you do <laughs> anyway what's some of your facts um, one of my facts is that during the making of Portal 2, play testers actually complained that GLaDOS was too mean. Uh, yes, and I had I to had tone down well. her because she was made more passive-aggressive and comic kind I'm of way. I'm sad about, because yeah. I'm like, bring, bring all the passive-aggressiveness <laughs> and handle it. Right, but at the same time, you're like, for playtester to complain that like a fake robot is insulting them she must have been saying some horrible things that's amazing though like i'm sad that i can't see that because yeah to be able to make someone go actually that's too much take it out i think it's, it's <laughs> must have been insulting she just cut right to your core just yeah. left a lasting impression i wonder if those playtesters are slightly scarred by this event now <laughs> anytime they think about it they're just you know those moments when you're lying in bed awake at night and you think about all the horrible things that have happened or embarrassing and that guy's just thinking about all of the terrible things glados said to them about them yeah. everyone knows your shit like every single like machine that you saw like you see the toaster like LinkedIn, like don't say things about my thighs <laughs> yeah no i had that back so i thought that was pretty cool um another fact of mine is the fact that when she's in her potato battery form like i said earlier she gets sent into a potato mm-hmm. um uh basically she got nicknamed potatos <laughs> I think uh so obviously that's derived from her name with a potato um but it was actually on like by the community and then apparently Valve like loved it, so they placed it as her official name when she's in her potato battery form. So it was actually <laughs> I think they named a song as part of the soundtrack after the Tatos. The Tatos Lament, it was called. 
That's a good one. You got any more? Um, I had one. It was just the who Gladys was voiced by. Uh, was Ella McLean, who is a trained opera singer. Oh, I read that. Yeah, that was a very cool fact. Um, also they kind of made it was quite interesting them talking about um the fact that they wanted her to sound a little bit more female, even though they liked the like text to speak kind of robot voice that you get yeah from her they they found i think when they were making psychonauts or something like that developers discovered it and found it was funnier like just reading random sentences out with that voice um and they wanted to kind of include that in portal but they also because it was so much of a character they kind of wanted to include a bit more of a humanity to it which is why they got like someone to voice it rather than just using the, the voice i think they nailed the voice as well because i feel like obviously although it sounds robotic you can tell it's also a female voice and there's personality in that voice despite the fact that they obviously have edited it to an extent to sound like a machine yeah definitely it's that nice kind of balance between human and machine <laughs> yes exactly well i'm sorry for seeing your what number did i still number three so luckily okay. it kind of makes it nice but it does mean we have a bit of a weird thing where i guess we'll just move on to your number two no i think we should move on to your number two because oh. then it's still because otherwise I'm like talking too much we're gonna mix it up yeah. um okay in that case number two is and I'm sorry that if I steal one of yours is Gruntilda Winky Bunyan from Banjo and Kazooie <laughs> I didn't know that was her surname right so I discovered Winky this today because I was trying to find her like talk about facts and stuff about Grunt Grunty and I don't remember has Gruntilda or Grunty, and it was like her full name is Gruntola Winky Bunyan. Wow, it's brilliant, and um, suits her to a T. Not a crossover though. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I picked this because I don't think I've ever spoken about banjo and kazooie before, but I do love it. Like, I think the first thing I played on my N sixty four as a kid, which is I think what everyone did. But she is the main villain in banjo. Banjo kazooie is just a typical like platform if you don't know it, and she basically starts off by kidnapping your banjo sister at the very start of the first game Tutti, who which also hilarious name by the way um and basically wants to steal her beauty so she could be the most beautiful woman in spiral mountain very snow white-esque um really uh she constantly talks in rhyme which is annoying but also hilarious um (laughs) and she basically just you know screws up the whole world you know, with just being shit um, and doing evil things. She looks like a very typical witch, so there's not really much to talk about. She's, you know, green, has a broom, has a little black hat. There's um, a part in the game, isn't there, when I think if you die, you see her actually change into what she wants to look like. She comes out as like a sexy green lady. Yes, you do. Yeah, if you get game over, you get sexy Gruntilda Winky Bunyan. Yeah, I'm just I do remember at one point thinking like when seeing her and being like fair enough she looks good right you'd be like if you could go from old crone to that i mean let's talk about those crones in the uh witcher 3 if they had the opportunity to be sexy versions of themselves i bet they would yeah they'd be killing it get rid of that butt plug face wow i mean i was thinking of keeping it but oh you could work with it i'm sure you could you're good at makeup (laughs) anyway back to grunty uh, Grunty's a lot less dark than those guys as well. Um, 
she's very she is comical um and it breaks the fourth wall quite a lot which is always good in video games i quite like um and is sarcastic which again is always fine but uh in the first game i think she's a lot lighter than she is i don't know if you've ever played um uh banjo tui um, i didn't actually i only ever played Banjo-Kazooie was the first one, and then Nuts and Bolts. I didn't actually play Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. So in Banjo-Kazooie, like in the f- end of the first game, you kill her by pushing her out the window, or she falls out the window anyway, um, and a boulder lands on her or something like that. And then she kind of returns in the second game as like a ghost, and I think she's just a ghost, and then her sisters appear and try and like bring their body back. Um, and also in the second one, she doesn't rhyme because her sisters say it's really annoying and you're not allowed to do it anymore, which is quite funny. Um, but then she decides that when she gets her body back, she's going to murder several characters, including an entire family of Jinjos and her own two sisters. God. <laughs> so she just goes from like lovable kind of funny villain to like just pure evil in like one to a thousand yeah <laughs> that's quite a jump there's no middle ground there she just goes straight <laughs> up to murdery um and she also tries to kill clunko her little like help um helper monkey man um who's like her loyal like little minion but i, I don't know he failed and she was gonna like kill him and do something horrible to him as well so uh yeah she turns a bit evil in the second one but banjo and kazooie is a fun game um and it's very light-hearted again kind of villain and you kind of enjoy watching like you said you kind of enjoyed watching that scene where she basically turns banjo's sister into a giant like ogre creature oh yeah it's quite funny yeah um i love banjo kazooie but i wouldn't have had her on my list um this is grunty bosom bottom whatever her name is um because i found her so annoying as a child to the point where her speaking literally just made me want to punch myself in the head i think this is why i've put her in because she managed to invoke that kind of rage in you yeah as a child like she was doing her job as a villain to just randomly pop yeah. up with a horrible little voice i think she just it wasn't even like i was fearful of her she just annoyed me and just made me just think oh god like shut up i'm gonna beat you so hard you <laughs> terrible woman yeah um i also love that instead of like you do fight her but you mostly just do a weird game show right at the end uh of the game not many villains just go you know what you can not defeat me but you can defeat me via game show that's a cool way to end the game though and a cool way to have like a final showdown why, why would we fight when we can you know do this via a cool game show exactly I wish more things in life could be settled via a game show, if I'm honest. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, facts for Grunty uh, were okay to find. The only real ones I could find was that she can erase a save file. Uh, if you type in a cheat code or like a wrong cheat code considered illegal by her, um, she would erase your save file that you were cheating in um apparently i don't know if that's true i've never tried it and i don't want to and the in the japanese versions of the game uh instead of her rhyming in her dialogue she was just given stereotypical and exaggerated old wood woman's drone what right she doesn't rhyme she just has an old woman she drone. just drones on. she just drones on it was great i was just like okay so the japanese don't get to be annoyed by her rhyming 
They just have to listen to an old woman complain about her bunions. Oh yeah, I was going to say, if some of you hate her rhyming, then yeah, you're definitely going to prefer having the old lady voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my number two, is Grunty. It's quite a fun, happy cool. villain, but I like her. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a good number two, and I'm sorry I stole your That's all right. But I think it was always bad to happen with some of yeah. them. Um, especially like a well-known villain. It's always good. Definitely. Potentially be a thing, but I don't think that we're going to have any more. Interesting. So what is your number two? So, my number two is um, Atlas slash Fontaine from Bioshock. Mm. Now, this is going to contain a lot of spoilers. Um, I've already given a spoiler away when I said Atlas slash Fontaine. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the first um, spoiler right there. <laughs> but I will say that I will be giving spoilers to Bioshock, but I won't really be giving any spoilers the Barrio, let's see. All I'll say is Atlas appears in Barrio, let's see, the DLCs for Bioshock Infinite, but I'm not going to disclose any information about his role at that part of the of the game. I'll mostly just be doing spoilers for Bioshock 1, which everyone I thought should have played already. If haven't, then sort it out. Get on. Um, so to give some background, Atlas is Fontaine, but basically you meet Atlas uh, at the beginning of Bioshock 1, and he is a revolutionary who he basically leads the destruction of Rapture to an extent. Um, he is after Andrew Ryan, so he is, like, going against him. And he kind of uses you, um, Jack, the main protagonist, which is you, basically kind of instructs you to, to do things, and you willingly do them for reasons. <laughs> and um, he does eventually turn on you, um, at some point in the game. He pretty much lies to you the whole time as well. Tells you that he needs to like find his family um, and save them. When really that was all a, a bullshit lie. He just wants to get to Andrew Ryan and kill him and use you to kill him. Um, but Atlas is so prevalent throughout the game, especially when you know he is directing you, like like all the voxophones and everything, you're constantly hearing him. And I just, I loved him even before I knew he was bad. I don't, maybe it's the Irish accent, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I'd love any Irish villain, yeah. really. Um, so you later find out that Atlas is Fontaine, and Fontaine, um, who basically faked his own death and became Atlas, Fontaine is basically, he has an American accent, which is cool. I like the fact that his disguises are so good. Um, one thing I'm not as big a fan of, maybe it's because I don't like a bald head. Um, <laughs> Looks again. I like Atlas's long dark flowing hair and then as soon as I realised he was Fontaine I was like oh well shit not as, <laughs> not as attracted to you anymore <laughs> um, basically yeah so Atlas eventually reveals himself to you as Frank Fontaine who is a smuggler a mobster and a businessman who rose to power in Rapture Society basically challenged Andrew Ryan because he doesn't like Andrew Ryan that's, that's something that we can all yeah. agree on um, so yeah he obviously admits that he lied to you completely um, and he adopted the name Atlas when he staged his own death. So, um, obviously Fontaine created the Atlas persona while, you know, because he wanted to basically just get hired on a lot of Adam. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, take over Rapture, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, and I think the reason I love Atlas so much is because, because of those kind of, like, fucked up layers. Yeah. And I seem to have a thing for people... For villains who 
actually nice to you and are good at one point and then turn on you. I don't know why. Maybe it goes to some weird deep psychological shit. Um, You're fine with people being mean to you as long as they're nice to you up until they're mean to you. I don't know. And then it's like when they turn on you, it's like, no, come back. My my friend, please, still love me. I don't have abandonment issues. Um. (laughs) Going into some deep, dark territories here in Late Night Game Till 5. But I think the thing is with Alice as well, I just think there's something quite charming about him. He's very intelligent and he has this kind of charming persona. Not so much when he becomes Fontaine, I just feel like he sounds like a dick. Um, but when he's when he's Atlas, I just feel like he's quite charming, and you do get fooled by him. I, you know, I think everyone does. You think yeah. he's a good guy, and you are on his side, and you are helping him. So when he turns on you, it's just like, well, shit. And then when you start to interact with him, when he's, you know, basically becomes the villain, he just does it really well, and he just doesn't give a shit. And not to do anything we're embarrassed to see, but you do interact with him, and he is the biggest asshole. But he's just so cool. I don't know. I don't... You are triggering some serious issues in yourself, Nikki. I, I don't know what to say about this. But you're right. He's no, great he at being cool. manipulative. And you yeah. are kind of... It's weird with this fit game because you're so happy that you're tricked and manipulated in a way. Because it's unexpected. It's... And you're like, yeah. oh, I didn't think a game could do this to me. But I should so betrayed. So yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy at this betrayal. <laughs> I think it's because it's surprising, and it is one of those things where it's like, again, it's the whole character progression, yeah. right? It's like weekly, like, yeah, okay, he's your friend, he's your buddy, and it's like, oh shit, no, he's not. And kind of the same with Gladys, but kind of the opposite in some ways, but also not because, I mean, again, spoiler, but for Portal Two, she kind of eventually becomes a bit of a helper for you. So it's just the whole kind of like, I like when a villain has layers where obviously they're probably going to be nice to you when they need you, but there are some points, I think, when villains can become nicer to yeah. you or, you know, vice versa. Um, definitely, but I just sorry. think, yeah. It definitely go. feels more human in a weird way. Yeah. Like, even with the, it, which I find really weird about the portal guys, as, especially, is that, you know, like, it's very human to act like I need you and you know not just be outright evil like i'm gonna kill everybody and destroy the world it's more like i'm just gonna be you know a bit mean and get what i want yeah exactly and i think yeah i think that's the interesting part to it because in the day yeah it's not as simple as just oh i'm just gonna be evil from the get-go like people will use you and it's not a good thing but it's just it adds like layers and humanity to the game i guess and um, eventually, you do come face to face with Atlas Flash Fontaine, um, and you give him a whooping. But <laughs> all those other times before, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just good. He's just, he's just a cool villain who has his has his thing that he wants to do, and yeah, he fucks you over, but it's fine. You accept it, and you're kind of happy yeah. when it happens to you in a very strange way. See, I think he's just one of those characters that I just like to see again. So yeah. like when he does pop up in. Barry, let's see, I was just so happy and I loved it and I was just like, oh, because it's just, I don't know, he's just an interesting character, I think, you know, mm. I would like to know more about his backstory a bit more and I just love, we won't because Bioshock is dead, but um, I'd love to see more if possible, please. Get the <laughs> yeah, if someone could just, you know, come back and make things, that would be great. Yeah, please resurrect Bioshock, I'm not over it. <laughs> um, but I do have some you can facts. Get some facts. And I liked finding these facts because I love Bioshock a lot, which is one of my favourite games. Um, 
So the name Atlas uh, basically is inspired by the works of, I can't say her name, I think it's a her as well, is Ayn Rand, who wrote the book basically Atlas Shrugged, which I have tried to read in my time, but uh, I failed at reading it. It's very um, philosophical. <laughs> that's not, I can't, that's not the word. Very philosophical. <laughs> philosophical? Let's just I'm gonna go, go philosophical. philosophical. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a hard read, but it's an interesting one. And it, I think that's what a lot of Bioshock was kind of based on, was the whole like utopia and power and all that kind of jazz. So generally, I think Atlas's name was inspired from that. And also in the final boss fight in Bioshock 1, he ends up looking like the, the statue um, on the front of the book, which is like a yeah, like a statue holding the world on his back, like a golden strong man. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he basically looks like that. I don't think Atlas necessarily has any kind of real connotations. I think it was more based on Andrew Ryan's kind of dream of Rapture. But it's still cool that it's like a little kind of um, head nod to that. So, yeah. Okay, let's give some more facts. Oh yeah, so in Bioshock Violet Sea, which I said I'm not going to give any spoilers to, there's a moment where Atlas breaks character and switches to Fontaine's Bronx accent, which I really enjoyed. Because <laughs> it's kind of like that little sort of like head nod yeah. where, you know, obviously if you know the real backstory to it and you played Bioshock, like you'll understand like why that yeah. happens. Yeah, so my other fact is, is Greg Baldwin, um, he's the voice actor of Frank Fontaine, stating in an interview that he was originally asked to speak the part of Atlas as well. So mm. um, Frank Bertone would obviously would have been the American side of it and Atlas would be Irish. Um, and I think that he said that they would have actually done it in an American Southern accent as well, not the Irish. But they decided to go against that because apparently the playtesters were like, nah, it ain't working. Yeah. Um, so the developers ended up choosing uh, an Irish voice Atlas. So they hired a separate voice actor. So I think there are parts where same voice actor for Atlas does do Fontaine's American accent but I think generally especially in the person I think it was two separate people doing it but it's quite confusing <laughs> I'm not 100% yeah. sure but whoever does it is really good at replicating that same Fontaine voice because I wasn't able to to pick whether or not Atlas was the same voice yeah. or not but yeah um that's my facts really I think generally the reason I've kind of gone over it already I love a bad boy apparently <laughs> Goes down to. He likes being Ugh. portrayed, so. I don't. I really don't. I just. I don't know. Maybe it's the Irish accent and a, and a villainous figure. It just just gets. Yeah, me. I was gonna say you just do anything for an Irish accent. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number two. I liked the number two. Oh, I can't so believe we're on to our top. Yeah, now. onto the top spot. Um. So it feels weird now because I was not expecting to go first on my number one, but now I am. Uh, so my number one is Majora from Majora's Mask. Ah, unexpected. Yeah. So I picked Majora because that thing is just pure evil. Like, I've never been so disturbed by something trying to, you know, do anything in my life as what happens in Majora's Mask. For those who don't know, um, uh, it's a Zelda game, Majora's Mask. Um, it was on the N64 originally, and it kind of takes place directly after uh, Ocarina, right? It's supposed to be kind of very connected to Ocarina, just on the dark timeline of things. Um, but Majora basically is an evil spirit that inhabits a mask he was sealed away there by a tribe um some kind of tribe that disappears 
Uh, and the mask is then tracked down by the happy mask salesman, who in himself is creepy as fuck. Uh, and I don't like him. But he basically turns up with this mask um, and he's running around. And Skull Kid, who is also in Ocarina, who's um, kind of one of the forest guys, I guess is the best way to describe Skull Kid, do you reckon? Um, yeah. He robs him and steals the mask and then puts the mask on. Um, but the Skull Kid doesn't really realise that the mask is evil and the mask then takes over him um, and uses his body, basically. In which he tries to bring down the moon, uh, which basically will kill everybody in three days. Um, and the game is basically you trying to reset the world every three days because the moon is going to come and smoosh everybody. Um, and I think what makes Majora the most evil for me is that most villains, I think... Like, Ganondorf obviously is great, but he is basically just trying to rule the land. I think most Zelda villains are just trying to rule Hyrule and things like that. But uh, Majora's like, no, fuck it. I'm just going to kill everybody and everything because um, I can. Um, which, for me, I think makes a good villain, <laughs> which is a horrible thing. Um but I just remember being really disturbed by Majora as a kid um, and not quite understanding the separation between Skull Kid and Majora when I was younger, but kind of... I mean, I was yeah. terrified by the game. Yeah, it's a terrifying game and I think it's all because of Majora and the things that he wants to do um, or it wants to do. I don't know if it's male or female. It's a mask. But yeah, it just... it. it I think it really affects me. I think quite a lot of my villains, I've noticed, have just been people or things that have really gotten to me in one way or another. Um, whether it's being, like, really disturbing <laughs> and effed up or, you know, just I like them. Well, like, it's such a big contrast to me and you. Like, your villains are kind of, like, just weird, fucked up, kind of fucked up, like, creatures. Whereas mine are just, like, shows my weird, like, strange love for the villains that manipulate me. And also get me to do what they want me to do that I'm also kind of attracted to. <laughs> it's weird, but it's sort of like a, you know... Um, it's a good contrast, I guess. Like, yeah, it's a pattern. Yeah. I mean, also, I guess it's quite nice that I'm not attracted to my villains because I think then you would be worried. Yeah, the hags would be worried. Talk about shit about the hags. And an inanimate object that is obviously possessed. Yeah. So, a bit yeah, weird. Yeah, a bit weird. Um... But yeah, I just find him really creepy. Um, and the whole game is great, but really difficult as a game, um, which I think adds to it. I don't know why, but it just feels stuff. And there's quite a lot of creepiness that I think surrounds Majora's Mask as well. Um, just, you know, the fact that you've got three days and time needs to reset and the moon has a terrifying face on it. I mean, why the moon has that face in the first place? Even just looking up the sky and seeing that in its normal kind of saying not coming towards you to to murder you would be terrifying my problem is the fact that you have to wear masks right the, the masks are dead yeah that's a that's a, it's like a red flag it's a really me. dark game like it's all about death and yeah all about death and possession i think if i could if i was to put this this is a villain in my top five i would have put the whole game as a villain as opposed to this mask <laughs> it's true well this is what i mean about the moon the moon's just fucking terrifying like let alone it oh, coming yeah. to kill you and then the mask and all the people are scary and all yeah nobody's nice i don't remember anyone being particularly nice to me apart from maybe the deku scrubs but those are my boys yeah it's i get i'm actually shocked because 
think I never actually finished the game. Um, I remember attempting it because I never played it when I was younger, which is probably a good thing. I played it when I was a bit older, maybe sort of like 17 I picked it up. It was, wasn't one that I played, which is a good thing. But I didn't finish it, and I remember finding it really hard, and I was really frustrated with the whole day thing. But it didn't quite click that, I think it's maybe because I didn't get that far, that the Majora mask kind of stood alone, because I always kind of thought Skullkeep was the asshole um, with the mask on. But now, obviously, you've spoken about how the mask is kind of in itself an entity, and it was you know, possessing people. That makes sense, but I, like I said, I didn't actually get to the end of it. I want to one day, when I have the courage. It's hard. If you can get past the water temple, then good luck to you. It's difficult. Um... I think I've only ever done it like once um, and I had to do it again when I was older and on a different thing. But it, yeah, um, yeah it's just, yeah, again, like I didn't quite realise until like trying it again when I was older with the mask, not, you know, like you said, Skull Kid and the mask. I always used to assume that Majora was Skull Kid. Um, but no, it is a different thing because um, eventually, spoilers again, the mask um, just abandons Skull Kid uh, once the moon is close enough and disappears off yeah. into the moon um which again even more creepy it takes over a bunch of moon children don't know why there are children in the moon but there are um and you have to do something and i can't remember what it is but you have to do a bunch of mask stuff up there with the moon children and eventually you uh release the mask from the moon child and uh you have to fight it and i think it takes three forms and it's all a bit weird because they like legs kind of grow out of the mask and all that kind of rubbish it just feels like Jorah's mask is Ocarina of Time having a drug trip. It is a bit. And I think that's what it's kind of designed to be because it's supposed to be on the dark timeline of um, Zelda, True. right? Yeah. Like, we all know that it has that kind of two timeline things. Um, and I think, yeah, it is just supposed to be the dark form of Ocarina because you have all the same kind of people. You have to visit, you know, the um, Gorons and uh, the Rutus and stuff and, yeah, Zoras and things, but they're all just sad and old or dead and it's just horrible it's a horrible place to be and i think it's all because of that stupid mask um yeah so that was my number one but my facts actually for majora was difficult to google because mostly because i didn't want to look at it anymore because it was creeping me out um was that um during the battle with majora's um for one of his forms you can hear it singing a part of death mountain theme from the original legend of zelda um it's just kind of humming away to itself creepily um the other the other fact is that um people believe that it was inspired by an ancient brazilian society of a similar name called the uh marajora i think that's probably butchered i'm so sorry um and it is basically a culture that created masks and some of them look very very similar to majora's mask um so people believe that that's where they got it from i think it's like an amazonian kind of old society back in the bc kind of times I'm not exactly sure when um but yeah i kind of find that even more creepy because i always think old tribes are quite cool but almost have a creepy tendency to them as well i think i've just watched too many movies like apocalypto or something and that's what i have in my head um and also playing recent tomb raider and people are trying to murder me um but yeah it just it just all kind of comes to this horrifying thing that this mask is trying to kill everybody on the earth um and it's not pleasant yeah and it probably has caused your fear of masks i'd say yes because and and mask salesman. I think more mask salesman. If anyone smiles at me in that way, I'm just no. I'm just noping straight out of it. 
Yeah, it's messed up game. It's a good game, it's, but it's It's great. Up. And there's a lot of great creepy pastas if you really want to terrify yourself that revolve around the game, uh, Majora's Mask. I think that's why I couldn't play it again. Because I remember I was playing it, and then I must have found those creepypasta videos. And I didn't know straight away that it wasn't real. <laughs> and I think I just got to the bit in the game where you, know, you pick up the Zora's dead face from the dead body again so fucked up <laughs> and i remember just being like you know i wore it and then i became him and i was just like no no yeah no i'm not playing this game this is fucking ridiculous yeah and uh, the transition probably didn't from like when you put on the yeah. mask is terrifying like when you've put them on you're like screaming and it goes all black and warpy and then everyone's like oh hey like how you doing thinking you're the guy that's dead and at no point do you turn around and go shit like I've got your mate. I'm just wearing his face. <laughs> I mean, would you? Would you just announce that? Be like, hello, friends. I'm not your actual friend. I've just stolen his face off of his corpse. I don't think that's how you start a conversation. I feel like it's better to admit it and be honest than just wander around with it on your face. <laughs> I don't know. It's just me. Maybe I'm not as polite as you while I wear face corpse. Corpse faces. Maybe not. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are things we will never know the answers to. No. Um, but that's that's a pretty good tough one, I think. That just yeah comes with you know childhood trauma and everything. Yeah, so. it affected me. And uh, what do you need? What else do you want a villain to do other than deeply scar you for life? Exactly. So, what is your uh, and our final top villain? So my top villain isn't anything terrifying, really. Um, again, we're going along the lines of manipulative man that <laughs> I love. And that's Handsome yeah, Jack. Yeah, I, I assumed Handsome Jack was going to turn up somewhere in your list. Yeah. He is hands down my favourite villain because I know that he's a bad guy but he doesn't ever really come off as like a pure villain villain because I just like him too much and I don't normally like villains that much. Yeah. I, it's rare that I'll pick a villain and be like, oh yeah, like he's cool. Like I normally just be like, fuck that guy um, and curse them a lot. Whereas Handsome Jack, as soon as I heard his voice, I was just in love. <laughs> so he, yeah, I'll give some background to it for anyone that hasn't played Borderlands. But he is the, the main villain, basically, in Borderlands 2. He appears in Tales from Borderlands as well, and the pre-sequel that gives a bit more insight to him. But generally, he is the main villain in 2. And he's basically taken over um, the Hyperion Corporation and declared himself a dictator of Pandora, which is the world. And he's stolen all the credit, basically, for binding a vault, which is, yeah, I won't go into it too much. And basically, he kind of wants to stop the new vault hunters from restoring peace to the planet, because he's just a generally a bit of an obnoxious dick who just wants a lot of power. Um, so you're obviously the characters that are trying to stop him from doing that. But along the way, he kind of speaks to you and tries to stop you on your way and everything, and just his whole general demeanour. And dialogue is just it's just great. I think it's very difficult not to like Handsome Jack. I mean, I know you've obviously played Borderlands, so I'm assuming you feel the same. From what I remember of playing too, it is like you said, it never really felt like it was a character it's supposed to hate, really. Yeah. Even though I knew it was the main villain kind of thing in the game. Yeah. It's it's hard to hate him. He's just so charismatically dickish. That's a great term. Charismatically dickish. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, you do kind of eventually put him down. But, which makes me really sad. I think that was probably the saddest moment in any game where I've really not wanted to fight the bad guy. Because I'm like, he's just... 
I feel like there's good in there somewhere. I feel like that's why I have a lot of my villains. I feel like there's always... I like the ones where I feel like there's good in there somewhere. Yeah. Because it's not just as simple as he's just a dick. Like, So to give some backstory to Jack, not everyone may know, which I didn't know, um, is that apparently his father died when he was very young and his mother left him in the care of her mother, so his grandmother, who apparently was very physically abusive towards him um, and he suffered a lot of emotional trauma from these events. And so obviously, like, it affected him so much that he decided to later kill his grandmother because of all of this trauma. Um, and everyone sort of thinks obviously that probably caused a lot of his mental decline. Due to yeah. That, which, again, I like about Fair story. enough. And also, like you said, you kind of feel sorry for him in that way. And a good sign yeah. of the villain, like, you didn't want to kill him because you were enjoying him as a person. Like you said, you felt for him and you felt like he wasn't entirely evil i think sometimes like yes okay i picked majora who is just insanely evil but there is that flip side of villains who just aren't yeah. evil really it's just a lot of circumstance and you know not enough love from grandparents <laughs> yeah exactly um and i said as i said like it's the progression thing as well and in the pre-sequel as well uh, which gives some backstory to handsome jack i feel like you can kind of see a bit of it there too into how he became a bit of a knob um but yeah so um another bit of backstory too apparently his real name's john <laughs> handsome john isn't so, quite the same twang i guess no and i was really confused by this because i was like well why that doesn't make any sense um but apparently it is a line that is spoken um i think it's a pre-sequel where the character says to him we'll speak again soon john um and supposedly that confused a lot of people but it seems that apparently in english it's traditionally used as a diminutive form of the name john so jack and john apparently can be interchangeable oh, which I, no, I didn't know that that was a thing but that's apparently a thing so i thought that was interesting um and also in regards to a bit of handsome jack's character design apparently he was partially inspired by a particular interview with nathan fillion on jimmy kimmel live so Amazing. what it was apparently was this sort of charming and funny demeanor um, but the fact that he was also slightly arrogant in a very down-to-earth way, which, yep. I mean, Nathan Fillion Good description, yeah, of Nathan Fillion, though. Yeah, and I, I thought that was cool, because that is honestly how I feel about Jack. It's kind of like, it also reminds me a bit of like Nathan Drake, Nolan North kind of attitude as yeah. well, and then also Nathan Fillion to that kind of, it's that whole like devilish rogue thing, but obviously Hansel Jack's more actually evil. But again, it's the charismatic thing that makes you kind of go, oh, but he's evil, but you know. He's had <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd give that pony a go. Oh, God. Speaking of ponies. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> so there's a few dialogue um, parts that are very famous in Borderlands, such as the Butt Stallion dialogue, um, which is one of my favourite. It's hilarious. Anyway, to give some context to anyone that doesn't know, Handsome Jack discusses um, how he has a... Um, a stallion that's made of diamonds called Butt Stallion, um, who is actually real, does actually exist in, in later parts of the game. Um, but basically, apparently, the dialogue spoken there was all ad libbed by voice actor Damien Clark. So I thought that was incredible and really awesome the fact that he kind of just did that all himself on the spot. Yeah. Um, but what makes me laugh the most about this is apparently writer Anthony Birch was really upset with this because it became his most popular line. <laughs> so what he's been quoted to say was this was all an ad lib by Damien Clark, Jack's single most popular line, and I never freaking rig it. Rig it? Rig it? Rig it. I never freaking wrote it. 
I will never forgive Damien for this, <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious because I'm like, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, like his most famous line, his most hilarious line. He didn't yeah, write it. Nothing to I do with you. <laughs> bitter. That's how you get some bitter people. That's how you get villains. Yeah, well, exactly. That guy is probably becoming a villain as we speak. Oh, man. I hope he's handsome. <laughs> Give Nikki your number. She'll call. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Handsome Jack, I think, was always going to be on my list somewhere because he's just like, just a favourite villain of mine. And I always will be until they make a new one. Um, There's maybe, hopefully, similar, but Irish, that'd be good. Um, <laughs> just to combine all of your loves. <laughs> no, I think you your ovaries would explode if they did that. Yeah, probably. But as I said, looking back on my list, very stereotypical quite predictable but fight me i mean bold i mean yeah i'm glad we have very contrasting lists really like mine are just pure evil and terrifying and yours are lovable rogues yeah definitely maybe there's something about yeah i mean you have mentioned a (laughs) you have mentioned a lot of people that i definitely considered and thought very strongly about putting on my list but didn't. Yeah. So I'm glad they got mentioned, especially people like Andy Ryan and Fontaine and all those kind of people. Yeah. I'd like to do my own mentions because this is a, obviously we're just going to go through them, no facts because fact yeah. band. Um, fact band still Just going to mention them because these ones were a lot more less obvious mm. and I just kind of want to say them. So I don't know if you want to go first. So I just don't sure, know. I've, um, I've only really got one because my other, so the other person I had in my... um honorable mentions was andrew ryan um so i'm glad oh, you mentioned him cool. and my one that i've got left is the elusive man from mass effect ah, he was also on my honorable uh, yeah he's great he's basically could just be a shadowy figure um but he, i don't know he just he again he's evil but he's doing something for your own race so you feel weirdly about it but he's a little bit yeah. like space hitler so you you don't <laughs> want to like him yeah it's also that thing as well where in the beginning he's kind of helping you to know how you feel and then suddenly it's kind of like, oh shit, no, actually, you're probably the bad yeah. guy. It's a whole, yeah, double-sided. Yeah, he brings you back to life, really, so you kind of owe him um, yeah. in a weird way. But yeah, it's great. And it kind of kicks off Mass Effect 2, which is a great game and one of my favourites. And yeah. Martin Sheen did it and he does a great job. So, yeah. yeah. So, my honorable mentions, mm-hmm. obviously at least my honorable really mentions, um, Nadine Ross from Uncharted. Nice, yeah. So she's a cool, obviously in the DLC that was released after the final game, she's kind of less of a bad guy, but she is kind of like the villain in that, in the last one. So I liked her. I just thought she was a cool, badass bitch. Um, so I wanted to mention her. Um, David from The Last of Us is a creepy guy. I was going to put him on my mm. list, but he didn't quite make it. He's creepy guy. But he's, he's really creepy, so I wanted to mention him. My final mention is, I'm not going to give any spoilers because it would literally give the whole game away. All I'm going to say is the bad guy from Life is Strange because yeah. um, when I say bad guy, I'm also not stating any genders. Just the bad person, the bad bad mm. guy. Um, most messed up character I've ever come across yeah. in a game and I'm still disturbed to this day. But I can I, actually, I would have put them in my top five, but I didn't want to spoil the whole Life is Strange one that hasn't played it because I feel like it's one of those ones that people may have not picked up yet. Yeah. And... That would literally mean spoiling the entire. But that's thing. a real but, good one. Um, like, oh, yeah. disturbing, disturbing person. I thought about a villain that I really found like really 
really disturb me, and that would be that Should person. have had it on my list. Damn it. Yeah, but then you spoil the whole yeah. game, and then we'd be just a... We'd be those guys. Spoiler till five. <laughs> oh, man. New podcast idea. Give away all the endings to every game. <laughs> Top five spoilers. That's going on my list. Yeah. Um, For anyone that wants to ruin their life. <laughs> you not enjoying a game? Have a phone down. Yeah, so that's my mentions. Um, and I think it's been a very interesting one. Mm. Very insightful one. <laughs> yeah, I think we've learnt more about ourselves and our each other's psyche more than we wanted to yeah. this evening. Uh, I think I'm slightly disturbed by you, and you'll. Why? I mean, I know that you'll do anything for an Irish man now, so it's always good to know <laughs> if I ever need anything doing. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and we've gone through your fear of hags with butt plugs for faces. I mean, so that's what's not that's what's not to love on a podcast. I know what I'm dressing up as. Halloween. I'm gonna have nightmares if you do that. <laughs> Just need to find two more people to dress up as the other ones. <laughs> Just rope them in. Just strangers. Just be like, will you dress up as this gnome? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. While I, I stick this butt plug in my face? <laughs> I'm totally normal, I swear. It's going to be a lovely party. <laughs> She's going to love it. They just get there and I drop to the floor in terror. <laughs> Shit well, myself. it's been fun. Good. I'm glad that you've ended on that. <laughs> Me shitting my pants. Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, we should probably... Well, speaking of plugs... <laughs> Lovely segue. That's my favourite segue you've ever done. Uh, yeah, talking of plugs, <laughs> let's talk about all our shit. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, at GameTill5, and you can follow Nikki doing all her cosplay things at... And on Instagram, please. Yes, always join the Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well, but I'd post nothing. It's at sevm with three Fs. Um, and yeah, we like we said, we're going to think about doing some streaming soon, and uh, we will return in our normal two weeks for our next episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to our other yeah. ones, check them out. We just did a really fun one with Got Till Five Guys um, about our favourite PS2 games, and it was a lot of fun to do, and the PS2 just had its birthday, so topical, even though we didn't plan <laughs> it. I'm going to pretend like we did. Yeah, um, in all of these things, uh, thank you for listening and uh, goodbye, Nikki. Goodbye.